Hey, everybody, welcome to the Addiction Unlimited podcast, where you get to learn everything you want to know about addiction and recovery. I'm your host, Angela Pugh, co-founder of Kansas City Recovery, life coach, and recovering alcoholic. To learn more about me, you can listen to episode zero on your podcast app or find us on the web at addictionunlimited.com. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to another episode of Addiction Unlimited podcast. My name is Angela Pugh, and my mission is to help you, the high-functioning, successful person, to get sober when your relationship with substances has gotten toxic and unhealthy, so you can have the fun and chaos-free life you love. Today, I'm going to share with you the three things that your summer fun strategy needs if you want to stay sober comfortably and confidently. So if you've been struggling with thinking about the pool parties and summer barbecues and vacations with the family, and you're stressing about how you'll make it all work and stay sober, then listen up as I walk you through these three things. Even if you've tried before and it didn't work, odds are one of these three things is missing. What I've found through working with thousands of people over the last 15 years is that when you don't stay sober and you want to, you're usually missing one of the three things. So I'm going to map out what those three things are today. And the third one is actually the secret sauce that most people think about, but they don't take the time to be intentional with it and actually follow through and make it happen. And this will take you down faster than anything, even when you have the best of sober intentions. But before we get into those, first of all, I want to say you do need to have some sort of sober strategy. If you don't have one, you're just winging it, doing it on your own and getting by, your sobriety isn't going to last. It's not like other situations in life where you can set it and forget it, right? You have to have a plan of action, a sober strategy, or you'll continue to white knuckle it feeling stressed out and overwhelmed. And if you're really unlucky, you'll end up back at day one again. Let's start with a couple of things I tell you consistently. Addiction needs two things to thrive. It needs you to be isolated and alone. And it needs you to feel bad about yourself. And if those two phrases don't resonate with you, let me break it down a little bit further. If you have times that you feel lonely, times that you feel like you don't have anyone to talk to, or you feel like your family and friends don't understand, that's isolated and alone. It feels like you're on an island all by yourself, and maybe not in every area of your life, but in those ways, some ways that are deeply personal and important to you, and you feel like you don't have anybody to connect with. And I think we can all understand feeling bad about ourselves, right? We procrastinate and avoid, we don't communicate well, we don't feel good, but don't make changes. All of these kind of regular life things are what fuel the negative thoughts in your head about yourself. You know, it could be saying yes to things when you really want to say no, taking care of everyone else and not taking care of yourself, not standing up for yourself, speaking for yourself, and then feeling resentful because of it. These are the things that make you feel bad about yourself. 
So I'll say it again. Addiction needs two things to thrive. It needs you to feel isolated and alone, and it needs you to feel bad about yourself. And I'm taking the time to reiterate this because these are the two most important factors you have to consider in everything you do. And summer plans are no different. And let me be clear, you can do anything. You can go anywhere comfortably when you are thoughtful and intentional and your motives are good, right? Let's dive into these three things and make sure you hang out for the last one because it really is where the magic happens. The first thing I want to cover is the lonely and isolated thing. And this isn't just about your summer plans. It's the number one thing on your checklist before doing anything that can be uncomfortable or triggering in some way. You have to have someone in your corner. And I'll tell you about my client, Amy, who works with me in my six-week coaching program. She had a family reunion to go to where almost everybody was going to be drinking. And she used to be right in the drunken mix with them, right? Like this is what they've always done all the years. Any family gathering, it's all drinking. And she was drinking right there with everybody. Now, another layer to this is Amy hadn't really been vocal about quitting drinking because she didn't want to listen to everybody like try to talk her out of it or tell her she doesn't really have a problem and all of those things that happen. So she had been pretty private about this in the beginning. So we worked on some different ways to handle conversations about not drinking and we put a good safety plan together for her. And one of the first things we did was get her a few accountability people. We started a private chat in Facebook Messenger with, I think there were five of us total, and we all supported her throughout the time she was at her family reunion. Just having us on her phone, in her pocket, took away that feeling of isolated and alone. Every predator needs you to be alone to prey on you, and alcohol is no different. It's a predator. So she got through the family reunion. She had a great time. Nobody even asked her why she wasn't drinking. And it was a huge victory for her. That's the power of connection and support. We weren't doing anything magical in our chat. We were just being present and being her team in a situation where she didn't have a team. So she didn't have to feel isolated and alone, right? She had her people that understood right on her phone in her pocket. This is what I want you to think about when you're going into these situations, no matter what it is. Think about how can you be supported? If there's no one physically at the location that can be supportive for you, if there's not another sober person or another non-drinking person, then what can you do to make sure you have support to get through that event? Okay, that's number one. She wasn't sitting there lonely and like consumed in her anxiety the whole time she was there, right? And think about anxiety. When you get into that really anxious place, it changes your behavior. You start acting weird, right? And you'll totally relate to this because you're obsessing about whatever you're anxious about. And in this case, like going to the family reunion, like she's obsessing about it. Like, what am I going to do? How's this going to work? What am I going to say? How am I going to have fun? If I don't have a drink in my hand, everybody's going to be asking me if I, they want to give me a drink. Do I need a drink? Do I need anything? How is this going to be? When you're in your head obsessing about all of those details, 
your behavior changes. You get weird. We get short-tempered and snippy. We're not smiling, right? You might pick a fight with your partner because you don't feel good because you're obsessing with all this anxiety in your head. (laughs) And maybe your partner even recognizes that your energy is off and your mood has shifted and you're a little quiet. And your partner might ask you like, hey, what's going on? Are you okay? And you'll say, yeah, I'm good. I'm fine which is a total lie, by the way, but you'll say you're fine instead of saying, you know what, I'm a little uncomfortable with this whole thing. I've got some anxiety about how this day is going to go and how am I going to handle it? And is it going to be uncomfortable? And how long am I going to be there? What am I going to do while I'm there? Right? Instead of communicating that, you'll say, no, I'm fine. But then you'll be snippy and short-tempered and weird and quiet and, and maybe a little bit mean. All because you just don't have a plan. You really can go anywhere and do anything when you take the time to have a safety plan. And think about this too, like with your kids, you have a safety plan if your kids are going to go out on the boat or in the pool or when they play sports, right? Safety, safety, safety. We do all the things. We spend all the money to make sure they have all the things to be safe. You're willing to spend the time to keep them safe. So take the time to keep yourself safe. Create some sort of plan so that you have support and you have a team and you have a plan in those situations. The number two thing I want to talk about is staying busy. Listen, don't go to the pool party where everybody's drinking and lay out with all your people doing nothing but drinking. And you're just laying there and they're having conversations and they're having cocktails and their behavior changes because they're having cocktails and they get a little silly and they start repeating themselves and they get louder and then they're laughing more and you're just laying there doing nothing but feeling uncomfortable. Your anxiety is going to shoot through the roof. It's so uncomfortable because you're obsessing about the drinks and obsessing about your discomfort. Instead, be busy. Get busy. Do things. Move around. This is a great time to play with the kids and have some fun or help with the food or help with the cleanup or do my favorite go-to move in everything is become the photographer. I love it when there are family get-togethers. If I get really anxious and uncomfortable, then I shift my focus to cruising around and getting great pictures of everybody because these are also great gift ideas, right? I love getting giving photo gifts. So that becomes my focus where I can put my energy is walking around, getting pictures of the kids, getting pictures of my brothers and their wives, right? That Pictures that they wouldn't normally have because nobody else is taking those pictures. That's a great move to be busy and enjoy yourself. Walk around, say hi to people, introduce yourself. Extroverts love this kind of thing. So go do that. Don't sit and be still. Or if it's, you know, not even laying out in lawn chairs, maybe it's collecting in the pool. I know when I go to my pool, that's what the people do. They just collect in these little groups and they drink and they're just talking in these little groups. Don't go sit with nothing to do in the little group while everybody's drinking. It's not going to serve you, right? Do something, be busy, get moving, do something that takes up some of your energy where you can be moving around and you can feel better. Another thing I do is cook. 
I had a big family thing many, many years ago, and I was the only sober person. And I cooked like the whole time I cooked for everybody there, because I need something to do. I can't just sit. I'm not good at sitting still and just, you know, staring at everybody anyway. I need to expend my energy. So focus on that. What are some things you can do to be moving around and expend your energy instead of investing all of your time and energy into obsessing about your anxiety and discomfort and obsessing about the drinks? And the last thing where I really want to spend some time because this is the most important thing. And this is going to be the one that gets the most pushback. I can already hear your brains on this one. I already know what your head is going to say when I get to this one. But because I know your mind is in overdrive with all the thoughts about what you're going to say, how you're going to get through it and stay sober, when will this be easier? And instead of going down that rabbit hole, the very first thing I want you to consider is if you need to go to the event at all. There are a lot of things to think about here, like triggers, anxiety, unfriendly faces, and maybe the event you're thinking about is one you need to skip. If there are too many triggers in one event, then don't put yourself in that position. And if you aren't clear on triggers, I've done a couple of episodes about triggers. And you can start with episode 114, Relapse Triggers, right? And of course, I'll link that in the show notes so you can get there right from your podcast app. But that episode goes deep into triggers and what they are and how there are different triggers to be aware of. But I want you to consider this first. Is this something you have to attend? Would it be okay to miss it? Will you feel better if you don't go? In early recovery, the best thing you can do is lay low and protect yourself. And when I say early recovery in this sense, I would say really like absolutely for sure your first 90 days, like you have to be so aware of what you're doing and what situations you're putting yourself in and how it feels and how uncomfortable it is. Like, The first 90 days for sure, just lay low. And you've heard me say this before, my world got very small for, I don't know, four to six months for sure. My world got very small. I wasn't out and about doing many things. I was going to work. Of course, I would see my family and I was going to meetings and I would hang out with my friends that I had in AA, right? That was it. I wasn't doing a lot. My world got small because I needed to be comfortable Because the essence of getting sober alone is uncomfortable. So I didn't need to be doing a bunch more things to make me even more uncomfortable. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I turned down a lot of things because I just didn't need to push the button of the discomfort any more than it was already pushed. Beyond that, you know, for some people, maybe it is six months. For me, it wasn't just 90 days. It was a little bit longer, four to six months for sure. Beyond that, I I was super careful. I still predominantly only hung out with other sober people, but I did. I would go watch games and stuff with my drinking friends. I just had a very clear plan in place to make sure that I was safe and comfortable. So again, you can go anywhere and do anything, but there's no need to make yourself more uncomfortable than you need to be either. 
And if your people-pleasing tendencies are coming out and you feel bad or feel like it will look bad or you're afraid people will be upset if you don't go or you say no to something, then I want you to shift your perspective a little bit, okay? Because the truth is, if you had an important an important event or obligation that created a schedule conflict, you wouldn't feel bad about saying no at all. If you had to take your kid to the orthodontist or to a sporting event, or your kid had one of those tournaments, right, where they win and then they've got these weekend-long tournaments and you got to travel to another city, you wouldn't feel bad at all saying no. If your mom needed you to drive her to a doctor appointment or there was a show you had tickets to, you wouldn't feel bad for saying no for any of those reasons. So why would you feel bad saying no for yourself? And there are ways to work around this. I just recently had somebody in the Facebook group, you know, where I was talking about the safety plan. They were going to an event and I was talking about some of the things they could do to make sure they were safe and set themselves up for success. And the comeback was, well, that's easier said than done, especially when you have family and kids and the kids are going to want to stay longer if I leave early or my husband's not going to want me to leave or whatever. There are ways to create compromises in those situations. It just depends on how important it is to you, right? Maybe you drive yourself and if the kids want to stay, they can stay with your spouse. If they don't want to stay, they can leave with you. I mean, you can't see the future. How do you even know your kids are going to be having so much fun that they want to stay? I would think some kids would be like, hell yeah, let's get out of here. I'm happy to leave now. Yeah, I've had enough of this. As an introvert kid, I would have been thrilled to leave or leave early, right? So don't predict or try to predict what the future may be and create problems instead of creating solutions. There is always a compromise. There's always ways to work around all of the issues, so let's recap these. I really want you to think first and foremost, is this an event that you absolutely need to go to? Is it going to be the end of the world if you don't go? Is there another way that you could spend your time that would be more valuable or more nourishing for you and your well-being and your comfort and your recovery? It's okay to say no to things. And I know that's uncomfortable because I was a codependent people pleaser also. <laughs> I get that. It's not the most comfortable thing to say no thank you. But there are even ways to say no that don't even feel like a no, where nobody's going to feel rejected or upset or like you feel like you're too good or whatever the case may be. You know, when I say no, I kind of say yes first. You, know, It's like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for thinking of me. I'm just not going to be able to make that work right now. Or, wow, I would love to do that. That sounds really fun. That sounds really amazing. But I have a scheduling conflict that weekend or that day or that lunch, whatever. You know, So there are ways to gracefully decline something too. And, or you could be like, another thing I do is fake a headache. Listen, I can't tell you how many dinners I've been at with, with groups where I'm not really great in groups. You know, in certain situations, I'm really comfortable with it. In certain situations, I'm not. And I will be the first one to fake a headache and bail because I got to get out of there. My well-being and my comfort is more important to me than how I look to other people. 
right? You can think of me whatever you want to think of me. The most important thing is what I think of me. And I have to take care of me and protect me and make good choices for me because I'm the only one that's going to do it. So if somebody wants to think, oh, wow, that was kind of crappy to leave early or whatever, like that's on them. Everybody's allowed to have their thoughts and opinions. They don't have to agree with mine. But first and foremost, I'm going to protect myself. And that's what I want you to do. First and foremost, I want you to do what's right for you at the stage you are in your recovery. And the number one thing you need to think about is, is this something you need to go to? Is it required? Is it imperative? Is anyone going to die if you don't? That's number one. And that's the piece that most people overlook. Like they'll think about it for a second and go, maybe I shouldn't go. And then the people pleasing will kick in or the ego will kick in. How's this going to look? What are people going to think of me? Those thoughts kick in and then all the healthy thoughts go out the window. And that's what I mean when I say I want you to really take the time to think about this. Don't just let it be a fleeting thought, but be intentional and decide, do you need to go or is this something you could pass on? Or maybe you can go for 30 minutes and get out of there, whatever. Okay, let's recap these really quickly. The first thing is don't let yourself be lonely. Okay, have a support system, however you put that together. Maybe there are other sober people there and you have sober friends at the event and you can hang out with them. Maybe it is that your mom knows that you're not drinking and you can really huddle up with her and have that safety. Maybe it is that you get a few people by text, hey, I'm going to be at this event. I'm going to be texting you because I want to make sure that I'm accountable and that I stay safe and make good choices. Are you cool with that? However, you have to do that to be connected and have support and protect yourself. That's the number one thing. Do not go into a situation where you're already feeling like the odd man out and you're isolated and alone and nobody understands and nobody's on your team and not do anything about it. This is your responsibility to take the action and fix the situation and create a support system for yourself. And we love to support each other. So don't feel weird about that. We love doing that. I mean, we other sober people. (laughs) Next is stay busy. Don't just sit around. I say the same thing to you guys about, (laughs) about being alone at home, right? Do not sit around quietly spending quality time with your thoughts, especially when your thoughts are obsessing and full of anxiety. That's not the time that you want to get still and quiet. You know, be up, get busy, talk to people, do things, help cook, help clean up, be the photographer, like create some games before you ever go. If you're going to a pool party or barbecue or something, create some games that you can play with the kids. Have fun, but don't just sit and feel like the odd man out. You can't sit in that energy. You got to get busy and do something to make yourself feel better. And lastly, take that time to really think about, is this something that you need to do? If there are too many triggers, if it's too uncomfortable, if you feel too uncertain about it, then don't go and get some support in how to say no to that or what is the best way to approach it and decline an event, whatever. But think about that first and foremost, do you need to go? 
Now, remember, I'm here as your personal sobriety and life coach to guide you through this journey. If you follow these strategies, you will be well on your way to transforming your anxiety and chaotic life (laughs) into like cool, comfortable, confident freedom. Now, if you found this episode helpful, don't forget to subscribe and share it with others who might benefit from these strategies. And if you've got any questions or need additional guidance, feel free to reach out and I'm happy to provide whatever help I can. Also, be sure to check out other episodes of Addiction Unlimited podcast. Every single episode dives into a specific struggle or a strategy that you can use to change your life. And if you'd like to work with me and my team directly, you can schedule a free call for the six-week signature program. I'd love to hear from you and see if we might be a fit. I'll link everything in the show notes so you can get there right from your podcast app. I hope you're having a fantastic day. I will see you next week. You've reached the end of another great episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. Candid and honest conversation about addiction and recovery. Be sure to visit us at addictionunlimited.com to join the conversation and access show notes and links to everything we talked about. Love this episode? Please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes to help us improve and give you the information you want. Thanks for listening. See you next week.